Hello. Welcome to True Hoop with me, Gerard Hector, and Coach David Thorpe. How are you, sir? I'm looking forward to some serving volumes with you today. <laughs> yes, yes. U.S. Open is in full swing. It is day four. Um, I will be heading out to Queens immediately after this show. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a good time. It's the last major of the year. It is, it's super fun, you know, but, but the players also, it's kind of like David, you know, we talk about the, the NBA playoffs, how it's the end of the season and they're so exhausted. They're worn down. This is the, and they're exhausted. Like these players are exhausted, you know, but they're fighting as hard as they can to, you not even just win this, get their rankings up so they can get into the last 10 so they can make the, the tour championships, like all these, you know, cause this stuff all involves money people. Like every, this isn't like the NBA where I got, I got a contract and money's just flowing. I gotta win and get paid at these tournaments in order to in order to keep my keep myself afloat here. So anyway, good stuff happening um, out in Queens. So FIBA World Cup, Team USA undefeated in round one of the group stage. They are now on to round two, uh, and they are in a group with Greece, Lithuania, and Montenegro. Well, they don't have to worry about Giannis in Greece because he ain't on that team. So you know, Greece should be they they should do well in that group. Lithuania. I'm pretty sure is devoid of their best NBA player, but I could be wrong. I think they are. Well, Valanciunas is playing. Val- oh, yeah, Valanciunas is playing. Okay, yeah, yeah, All right, yeah, okay. And, that, and that he's, he's got a lot of size, and yeah. so that could, that could present some problems. We're know? small. We're small. Yeah. Well, I say we. Team USA is small. Yes, yes. I don't I don't, I don't, I don't have a rooting interest in this game. Jaron J- is the only actual right. big on that team. Right. And as we talked about last uh, last episode, He's prone to foul trouble. So if he's out, you know, Valanciunas can maul us uh, in, in, in a game. And then Montenegro, you know, that shouldn't be a problem either. And so the records from round one carry over to round two. Um, so as Team USA being undefeated, again, uh, there's no, we're pretty confident they're going to advance past this round as well and get into the quarterfinals. And then once you get there, it's knockout. Then it's single elimination. And then from there, all bets are off. Who knows what will happen? They'd have to lose two of three. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, they pretty yeah. much have to lose two of three. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's not happening. I mean, barring something really crazy, that's right. not happening. Right? Yeah. No, they they'll be fine. They'll be fine in this stage. Uh, Anthony Edwards has emerged as someone who um, is sort of taking up a mantle as, as being a, a, a go-to scorer. Um, you know, we're seeing Jalen Brunson handle the ball a lot for this team. We're seeing Paolo Banquero uh, getting a, getting a lot of play at center, particularly when when Jaren's in foul trouble. And you you like Paolo a lot. He's super talented. Um, I think this year, David, he's got a chance to be – so last year, as most rookies are, he was a negative impact player. I think he's got a chance to at least be net neutral this year, possibly even positive. I, I don't know that he does. Um, a lot depends on his teammates. Uh, at the end of the day, um, the, 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 I, I'm not an expert by any stretch on these statistics, on these metrics, but if the, if the – Possession ends with a miss and you're on defense. That's good for you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, that, that means you are somewhat reliant on who else is out there. For sure. For sure. Uh, you can look deeper into shot quality when you're on the court. That's a different mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. And, and same thing on offense. And I don't know where, where Orlando was on that, although they finished the season pretty well mm-hmm. last year. So, they got talent. <laughs> yeah, for sure they do. Um, however, they do have another player yeah. on that team that's mm-hmm. on a different team in Germany in Franz mm-hmm. Wagner who hurt his ankle, shockingly, up 20. Yeah, I was in the game. Because they don't care. These coaches <laughs> don't He ain't worried about Franz Wagner and his next contract with the Magic. If I was Franz's agent, I would have been screaming on the court, get him out of the game. Right, right. I mean, up 10 with five to play, keep him in. Fine, but 20? Yeah. 20? I'm no. sorry. And so, so here's what it means. I, I talked to an agent yesterday of a player who's, uh, who's got a chance to be a high-level earner going into his – he's in a rookie contract still. Mm-hmm. And this is why he doesn't want his player playing. Because who wants to deal with the ankle injury all year? And, and he asked me my thought. I said, well, he could get injured training, playing pickup, playing five-on-five five runs for his team in September, yep. training camp. Mm-hmm. But the risk goes up when you're playing these highly competitive games against non-NBA players who are fighting for their country and down 20 with five to play, your dumbass fucking coach leaves <laughs> in the game. Like, it just, it, the, you're not mitigating risk all that well when you're doing this. That's why I'm a big believer. Don't play until you have your deal. 
Unless you're someone like Paolo, right. who is he's going to get a max deal no matter what. Right, right. Not right. everyone else is. Franz Wagner needs to have a good year this year to get a max deal. Mm-hmm. He'll get a good deal. Not the same. Max yeah. deals are different. You're in a different yeah. level. So it bothers the hell out of me to see that kind of stuff. Yeah, and especially we talked about this, David, with the international schedule with the World Cup and with um, – so obviously everybody knows about Eurobasket – and then on this side, we have the Tournament of the Americas, right? So, I mean, it's just yeah. – and what generally what we do as Team USA, when it's Tournament of the Americas time, I mean, we're sending, like, no top-end NBA players. Like, we're sending college and, like, G League. Yeah, we're sending, we're sending those guys in, in, in those tournaments. And so, again, if, you're, if you are a, a, a player who, you know, is, is from a European country, maybe that's something you consider, right? You only suit up for Eurobasket and, and the Olympics, right? Maybe you skip World Cup. I don't know. Um, you, you you figure something out because this is it, it, now that sports has turned into this year round thing where literally you have a team to play for and you could be playing basketball twelve months out of the year. That's that's not conducive for long term optimal success. Um, even with all the advances in in uh, sports medicine and science and and, and all that, they'll they'll all tell you you have to rest at some point and recover, right? And so I think that's key. Did you see that? Um, Dallas Mavericks will be yes. uh, in preseason playing Real Madrid, um, which of course is a team that Luca played for um, and won and won championships for and and, and won uh, and won MVPs. teams and won champ- Yep, yeah. yep. In in the uh, in the Spanish league and the Euro league and, and the Euro league. David, I think, and it's you know, the NBA has done this for a little while now. Like teams have gone and played played certain European teams, and some of them have come here. I think I don't know. I think this is like the start to what I talked about ultimately blowing out that the in-season tournament where you start having a little bit more, it's not just NBA teams. You have other, other league teams in there as well. I think won't happen anytime soon, maybe a decade from now, maybe 15 years from now. So I think smart people are talking and figuring out a way. How do we, how do we get just ways to spice up the competition? And all you need for this to, for this to sort of like take, take root, is for a U.S. team to, to lose, an NBA team to lose, which in a knockout round can definitely happen. Um, so I think that's 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 sort of the start to this, and, and hopefully that's something we see with this in-season tournament. As, as a football fan, as I am, I, I enjoy that. Well, I don't think those games would be competitive if they played 48 minutes under NBA rules. FIBA rules. Um, they play FIBA rules. So they if they played better. 40 minutes, yeah, mm-hmm. eight less minutes, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd, zone's very legal. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not something team yet the USA players are used to doing, mm-hmm. except for the you know the twelve dudes that play for Team USA right. every other year or whatever. So I'm not. I don't think the NBA has ever agreed to anything like that. I think if they're going to do an NBA tournament, it's going to be NBA rules, uh, and we're going to win those games by forty points. I don't think it'll be. Mm. A, I don't think they'll be competitive. I think what you said though was right. Ten, fifteen years down the road, as things change. Anything's possible. NBA teams start investing more in these European teams. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That could be something. I've always contended the best way to do it would be have an age limit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that'd be then it's more competitive. Like our, our young guys are as bad as their young guys, right? <laughs> and young guys can do crazy things. So because um, they they just aren't they're not thinking the game as well. Most anyway. So um, uh, yeah, we 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 played America. I think the Celtics maybe played there in '88. Like they've been playing in Europe for a long time and Spain in a long time. They haven't been back in a while. Yeah, I think it's good. Uh, Gerard, this is not this did not make the list because I'm stupid. I forgot to put it in. But we have not talked about the the track runner. Did we talk about him? We did. So it, it's, on Monday, it's, okay. it's, it's funny that, that, that well, not funny, but it's good for this conversation. So Noah Lyles, uh, the uh, yeah. double world championship and uh, world champion in the 100 and 200 meter. Which, by the way, folks, we talked about this on our. Um, on our uh, True Hoop content call on Monday. That's what we get. Wasn't on our show though, right? Um, no, no, no. But okay. we know we, we did mention we did mention on the show. We didn't go into detail. Um, yeah. But I want to say this about winning a world championship or an Olympic medal in something like the hundred meter or the two hundred meters, like to be crowned the world's fastest man. That is such an incredible feat when you think about the amount of people in the world who run. Yeah. <laughs> right, like it's we're we're talking about this. Ain't like all right. A specialized thing where only like ten thousand people do it. No, 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 no. Like it's ridiculous, and to be that fast it is incredible. Okay, so Noah allows won his double gold um, in the hundred and two hundred at World Championships, and we're in Budapest this year. And he said, you know, it's crazy that NBA uh, title winners call themselves world champions. Well, 
they're not playing other teams from around the world. They're only playing other NBA teams. They're NBA champions. And Pop, I want to say seven years ago, said something similar. He's like, when you win an NBA title, I know we always say world champion. It's like, no, you are the, you're not a world champion because we don't play other world teams or the world leagues. We play the 30 teams in our league, and the winner is the NBA champion, not the world champion. And then you had a bunch of players chiming in about Noah Lyle saying, the best players in the world play in the NBA. Bah, 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 bah. So we are world champions. Look, oh, this is stupid. I'm not going to get into a, a semantics argument, okay? Like, that's just dumb. Who cares? Like, the NBA is the best basketball league in the world, bar none. Everyone knows that. You win the team that wins the NBA championship is, for all intents and purposes, the best basketball team in the world. Right. right? Now, if you want to say, should we do something where the best teams on the, the best the NBA champion and then the Euro, what, fine, I don't care. Knock yourself out. Who cares? My point is that league is the best. As we know, it's like it's like in, in association football, right? Premier League, La Liga, Bundesliga, all those leagues, way better than the MLS. It's not even close. Right, whoever wins Champions League, that is the best soccer team in the world, bar none. Like that's just it just is. Now they can say that because well, we compete against all teams in the world except for the MLS, but we all know the MLS is a crap league. Like it's just they wouldn't even the MLS. I saw a rank the other day, like the twenty fifth best soccer league in the world. Is that right? Yeah, they're, they're just they're not good. Like not it's yet. Just, yeah, not yet. It's just you know, it's just not. That's not how it is. The best football talent play in the European leagues. Everyone knows that. Um, but anyway, this is just, you know what I, I think it is, David, it's August. People need content to fill up their, uh, <laughs> to fill up some, some pages and get some clicks. And this is what it was. But I, for me, I think it's a non-story. You win the NBA championship. You are for all intents and purposes, the best basketball team in the world. Right. So I, here's why I want to bring it up. Um, I don't know this gentleman that said it and I have, I have no ill f- will towards him, but. Uh, I believe you're right. I think it wasn't Hungary. Do, we, mm-hmm. does, do you think he knows how terrible that country is right now? <laughs> right. I, I, I am saying this, not that I think it's going to go viral, that's for sure. But wouldn't it be great to have our athletes who get a chance to travel the world like mm-hmm. our track athletes do mm-hmm. and our basketball athletes do yeah, yeah. and uh, talk about gun violence in America? Mm-hmm. and not in the country they are. Talk about our, our, our terrible health insurance problems that we have. <laughs> yeah. uh, and also talk about when you're in a place like Hungary, hey, as bad as we have in America, we ain't as bad as you guys. <laughs> we're, we're trending in that direction if, the, if certain political leaders take hold. Like, let, let's use your pulpit like a bully. Let's use it, right? So let's not debate. Let's not start debate over something as nonsensical as who the best basketball team in the world is. We all know the answer to that. Right. Uh, but we we can use that spotlight to to illuminate the real issues we have. Uh, uh, my favorite athlete growing up by a huge margin was Muhammad Ali. Mm-hmm. And my family, from starting from my papa, my dad's dad, and my and my dad, uh, uh, he was celebrated. My parents didn't didn't say to me. We supported the Vietnam War. Remember, right. I was alive during that yep. war. I was born yep. in '65. Ted Offensive yep. was '68. Uh, it wasn't on TV at our house every night, all of that. It def- we didn't have TV on when we had dinners every night growing up. But Ali was respected for his view mm-hmm. of why that's not my war. He was never castigated. He was celebrated, but he was also celebrated, as was Bill Russell, for, for being men who recognized their opportunity to shed light on the darknesses in our country alone. And my, I, my parents didn't soapbox us. Right. It <clears> just was understood that if you have a chance to, to be that popular, shame on you if you don't take advantage of it. Well, that and, was and, the general thought. And to be fair, to be fair, not everyone is equipped to be a for sure. spokesman for right. geopolitical issues. If yeah. you're not well-informed, I would yeah. actually advise you to say nothing because you might get yourself into trouble. That's okay, right. like unless you, this is something that you are passionate about, you are well researched in, and you are you are active in in uh, politics locally, whatever. Then fine, but if you know nothing, say nothing because yeah. <laughs> you're going to open up a can of worms that you that, that you don't want to go down. The interesting thing about this whole like you know best team in the world thing and whatever, it's also David. We're talking about it's also there's different teams, right? Those titles for association football and basketball, these are club teams, right? These are the best club teams in the world. The best uh, national teams is a different story, right? Like that's that's a completely separate. That's all we have. World Cup, 
the Olympics and all those things to determine who were the best national teams. And then at the club level, which is, I mean, that's what the NBA, the NBA is a club league, right? Who are the best basketball teams at the club level, right? I think it's just an interesting distinction also for people to make. And I think the one thing that's different for that I've seen, especially in, in association football, is the excitement and the pride that many of those players feel playing for their country often supersede whatever they own with their club, even if it's a champions league, which is the highest level you can win yeah. at club at club football. Right. So, and it's not quite the same here. I know a lot of athletes say, Oh, on the bread, white and blue. I'm like, I don't think y'all really believe that. Like it's just, for whatever reason, it's just not the same level of, of pride in winning for America and the Olympics or, or what have you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, to, to your point earlier, I, I do always think about what, what amazing feeling that must be to represent your country, not because you love your country. That's a separate issue. Just because in your country, I don't care if it's Mexico, which is not the smallest country in the world. I think about this when I watch the Mexican national team play. They're so crazy about soccer there. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of Mexicans. I've been to Mexico a number of times through basketball. I, I know soccer is king. So to, to be the starting left wing, left mm-hmm. fullback, mm-hmm. amazing. Like, wow. And I remember, I've told you this before, speaking of the U.S. Open, when I was down at IMG, and I watched, uh, I think it was Marcelo Rios. Is that his mm-hmm. name from yep. Chile? Mm-hmm. Yep. Chile. Uh, I used to just have my lunch sitting outside sometimes at a very a lovely court surrounded by some shrubs and everything in the middle of IMG, just training. He was number one in the world at the time. And it would just be me and his coaches. I'd be sitting in the stands. But the stands are like three rows up. It's not like a lot of people. <laughs> just me. Uh, I just thought, God, to be the best one dude from some neighborhood somewhere in Chile to be the best in the world is incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you do. So the same thing woke up. Our team USA players are not our best players, but they are amongst our best players, Correct. among our best players. Uh, I would like them to chime in and not talk about whether or not the NBA should call themselves world champions, but talk about uh, the wealth disparity in our country. Mm, so mm. if, if as, as, as I said to my wife, it wasn't for our moms and hurricanes threatening, we could afford to jump on a plane and just fly away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not think twice about it. We can call someone, hey, can you lock up our house and board up this and that? We're very fortunate that way. Few people are. Yeah. And around the world, it's a whole lot less people. They are stuck with whatever happens. Yeah. And so there's a lot to talk about. And I want our athletes that are on the world stage to to be mindful of that, Uh, including this track guy who probably is very famous. He won the 100 meter and 200 meter. Sure did. Like that's a fast motherfucker uh, right there. Is he the fastest man in the world he, right he now? Cer- he certainly is. <laughs> is Usain Bolt retired? Oh yeah, Usain, Usain's retired now. <laughs> yeah, good for him. He, he retired well. Yeah, he did well. Well, think about um, it, right? Usain did not lose a 100 or 200 meter race for, I want to say like eight years. Is that that's, right? That's like, it's ridiculous. Did he quit on top? Yeah, like 2008 okay. to like 2016. He didn't lose a race. I was like, this is that's nuts. Sick. Like any major, this is nuts. Like that's just crazy yeah. talk. He's like LeBron James. Yeah. He was. There was no way that guy was going to be great. It just took hard work to be the best ever. The, the, yeah. that, that's the right. thing. But my right. favorite picture of him is from the Olympics in the hundred meter, and the photographer caught the still where he's like yeah. turned in the back. He's smiling like. And I remember I did this thing for uh, Jody Avergrant, friend of the show. Um, yeah. And I was like, I, they wanted us to pick a picture that we like and talk about it. And I picked that picture. And, and I was like, do you all understand how ridiculous this is? Like, this is the 100 meters. This ain't a 10-mile race. It's right, from here to here. People would fall down turning around. <laughs> right. Look how far ahead he is that he's yeah. able to do the turn. Like, this yeah. is insane. In. This yeah. is insane. Yeah. And yeah. what makes it even crazier for someone like him in that short of a race, he's not 5'11". He's 6'5". So to unfurl that big, lanky body and get it into an upright right. position, the, right. the mechanics and physics is insane. Yeah, you can't lose the race the first five meters. If you do, you're, you're never going to come back. So he's got to get a good enough start and then let his length. Uh, in the NBA, we always talk about first two steps. I always talk about first two steps, full speed, win the first five-foot race because the court's so short. It's not the same thing <laughs> for these guys because they can catch up. But, yeah, it's just to be the best of the best is amazing. But with that, potentially can come some responsibility sure. to illuminate and, and, and educate others. And I'd rather them debate that than the silly thing of who the best, <laughs> who's the best team in the world. Uh, speaking of FIBA World Cup, um, Jordan has a player that NBA fans will be familiar of. His name is Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. Uh, he played basketball at the University of Arizona. He played um, for the Brooklyn Nets for some time. 
he's been playing overseas uh, lately. And I was thinking about him in the sense of, I know there's a couple articles been out about, you know, Rondé doing like his best Kobe impersonation. And he's had some really wonderful games for Jordan and showcasing uh, different parts of his game that maybe people didn't know was there. And I was talking, think, talking to you, David, off air, and I wanted to bring it here about when you've been out of the league for a few years and you want to come back in. In a way, you kind of have to invent yourself. But if you were a player, <clears throat> excuse me, like Rondé Hollis Jefferson, the way you play for Team Jordan is not, and I don't mean Jordan brand, I mean the country of Jordan. Um, you're not going to be able to do those things for an NBA team, right? You're not a primary ball handler, a primary scorer. You're going to be off the ball, rebounder, defense guy, slash, no bad shots, make open threes. So it's this weird thing where you're showcasing all this ability, but that's not what's going to be asked of you if you get a shot to come back in the NBA. So it happens all the time to G Leaguers, too, is that, you know, he, he could go to the G League and dominate, but the, most teams would think, well, he's not going to be able to do that. For us, it's easier, actually, to shoot better when the ball's in your hands than more, to, when you're getting more shots. You have feedback to it. There are some players that shoot 40% from three on three shots a game. Imagine they got seven. They were open. They would shoot even better. You're getting feedback from each shot. You're getting a better rhythm. Um, and you also have, in Rondé uh, Hollis Jefferson's case for Jordan, uh, you have the comfort in knowing that if I take some bad shots, I'm not being yanked. Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a calmness that, that, that takes over when you miss shots. You don't get too stressed, too anxious. That is not the case. Right. When he, if he were to get an NBA tryout, for example, two threes in a row that he misses, he's freaking out. Mm-hmm. You know, get beat back door, you're freaking out. Mm-hmm. Foul a guy needlessly, you're freaking out. Uh, uh, if you're con- if you're a conscious player, so um, uh, it's it's the challenge of evaluating. Mm-hmm. The better scouts and executives who are evaluating players, Gerard, are recognizing. Okay, here's what he's doing for this team. We're we're going to ask of him differently, but where are the um in that Venn diagram where are those where are those connecting mm-hmm. right where do where's they the have overlap the skills yeah. yeah right so um I have not watched him play I did not think he was very good when he was in the NBA but I think he was terrible uh he's clearly worked on his game I don't think he could have done this years ago what's his relationship with Jordan mom mom or dad from Jordan I want to say yeah I think the paternal uh, maternal, maternal like excuse me I think on his mother's side it might be a grandmother I'm not sure 100 yeah mm-hmm. yeah is he he just signed a new contract too uh to play overseas yeah I believe so yeah I want to say the Philippines maybe yeah, yeah. let me let me look him up right now to see yeah. where he yes yeah he, I think he just signed with a small league he is a naturalized Jordanian citizen now so that's that's the thing that yeah um oh with uh Atleticos uh de San Germain in Puerto Rico Puerto Rico. Oh, yeah. oh, really? That's only a summer thing. Yeah, that's yeah. They should. They're normally done. Oh, interesting. Um, so he'll be available. That's not a whole. That's not a year long thing. And he did play in the Philippines uh, this past winter. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, interesting. I wonder if he's going to go back there too after Puerto Rico. Yeah, uh, I'd like to see these guys keep getting shots because just because you don't make it at twenty three, twenty four doesn't mean you can't make it in the NBA. Europe does have players that I think have evolved into NBA level players. Many of them mm-hmm. role players. Uh, but they're just not going to get a shot, or or they just like being a superstar. And he, and he, he's twenty eight, so he's not old. Yeah, he's, yeah. Um, six six. He's athletic. Like I mean, yeah. look if he if somehow he's figured out he can make he can make open shots. He's always been a pretty good defender. If he can defend and cut and rebound, like I mean, how many NBA teams are like we need somebody like that who, who can do that for us? Right? Yeah, it wouldn't be a shock to see you get a chance this year. Yeah, for sure. All right, guys, we'll be back after this brief commercial break. All right, David, you wrote an article that is out on truehoop.com. I encourage everybody to go out and subscribe. Is it out already? It is out. Oh, uh, boy. <laughs> Something's going to hit the ceiling pretty soon. I, I, I was going to say, get ready for your mentions. Although you're not, you're not on Twitter or X anymore, so you don't care. Um, and you I'm on typically and, and you don't. And even if you were heavily there, you wouldn't care anyway. But what, yeah. what we're saying is David wrote an article and said, it's time to dismantle the Bucks." So all of Cream City and Milwaukee Bucks fans are going to be all in David's mention saying, how could you do this to us? Take care. No, they should be thrilled. <laughs> well, they should. I'm, going to get, I'm giving their GM permission to give them 10 more years of happiness down the road. And so this is, it's a great piece. Uh, as I said, everybody go out and read it. And what I want to talk to it about, David, is from the lens of when is the right time for a team to move on from a superstar? And, you know, I'm going to liken it to something that happens in the NFL um, and Bill Belichick and the Patriots are famous for this. Right. And it's different in football because of the 
catastrophic high injury rate. Basketball has injury rate too, but not catastrophic the way football does. Um, and the the length of time that your career lasts, right? It's just short because of the violent nature of that sport. But Belichick's position has always been, I'd rather get off of a guy a year early than a year late, right? If you miss a year early, it's like, oh, you miss one more potentially all pro year. So what? If I wait a year later, now he's not good anymore. He's hurt. And it's terrible. I can't figure out what to do and, and, and get and get trades, get more picks and get more guys. So in the NBA, how do you, what is that? What is that point? If you're the Bucks, you got to be thinking, look, Giannis is 27, 28 right now. He's already won two. I mean, yeah, 28, 29, I thought. He's already won two MVPs. Yeah. He's already won a defensive player of the year. And you won a championship. Yeah. The likelihood of him with this particular core winning a title again is not high, even though Las Vegas has them as the number three favorites, right? And the reason why I say not high is because you're, you're depending on Chris Middleton, who, in my estimation, is declining, right? He's had injuries the last couple of years. Drew Holiday is getting older. Brooke Lopez is older, right? Bobby Portis is – all these guys are older. There's not enough young infusion around Milwaukee and Giannis to propel them forward. So it may be the time. But what were you seeing when you thought, yeah, time, time, Milwaukee. Let's do it now. So first of all, the, the stories that you does use the, the, the headline dismantle, mm-hmm. and you said that uh, not blow it up. <laughs> That's right. Dismantle. I, I told I told Travis, our editor, who came up with the word dismantle. If it was up to me, I didn't even tell him this because I, I don't have a way with words like he does. Um, I would have written surgically disassemble. <laughs> dismantle is a, a better word. Um, blow up is is just like that. It's messy, right. yep. and everyone gets destroyed at once. Mm-hmm. There's no rush. There's no rush. The The answer to your question, as I see it, is when uh, you look at the next few years and you look at your financial um, viability mm-hmm. for, the, for what the franchise is going gonna, is gonna to have to deal with, what they can take in, what mm-hmm. they would have to spend on their players who are, are in their 30s. Mm-hmm. All those core guys are in their 30s yep. and getting up in their 30s in some cases. Uh, and also their contract length. Drew Holiday can leave in a year. Mm-hmm. Um, Middleton was their second best scorer mm-hmm. and I played 30, 30 games, I think last year, uh, Giannis, his best season was in the bubble. Yep. That bubble year, 2020, yep. it's gone down since yeah, it's declined since, um, that doesn't mean that'll continue, right. but, um, you factor all those things in and then you consider we were the number one seed last year going into the postseason, and it went really badly. Now, we did have injuries, including Giannis missed some games, at least one game. Um, what can we get now compared to a year if it doesn't go great, mm-hmm. or even if it does? I think there's a combination of, because of what they're faced with financially and the age of these players and the fact that they have no young players that they're excited Zero. about. Zero. Yeah, there just isn't anyone that you feel like, okay, as Drew ages out, here comes Tyrese <laughs> Right. They got nothing. Nobody. No, there's nobody. So in any position, Bobby Portis is, is a good player. Team USA is good too. Um, so you start thinking, okay, this is my feeling. First of all, I think the idea of blowing up, you're, start, you're blowing thump, something up, you're like you level a building, you're, you're starting from scratch. You don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. So one example, uh, I, I mean, OKC was in the playoffs in the Disney bubble. And now they have Chet mm-hmm. and Josh Giddy and Jalen Williams. That was just three years ago. Yeah. Right? The Spurs, waited, they, they traded uh, Kawhi in 18. Mm-hmm. But I think they knew, yeah. let's slow down this our recovery for right. a year because we might be able to get Victor. And it worked out great. Uh, you, don't have to, you don't have to be in Siberia forever. Nope. Uh, uh, and so the, there's many teams that I think you could do a deal. But uh, uh, that's why I put the OKC one where – if you're Sam Presti and you can deliver Giannis and keep and keep Shea Gilgis and keep Jalen Williams and most of the picks that you still have going forward, which allows you to go get other guys, whatever, um, you, I think that you've done your you, you've done your fans a real service. Uh, uh, who got, you got used to KD and Westbrook and those guys, mm-hmm. and if you're Milwaukee and you can start over with Holmgren, yeah, yeah. who is not going to be a typical rookie. He's going to be more like Walker Kessler. He's going to be a net positive potentially in year one. Doesn't mean he'll ever be an MVP, mm-hmm. but you can bank on him to be a solid player. Probably mm-hmm. he's worth the risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then get Josh Giddy, which I'm not saying they definitely can, but I think if you're Sam Presti, 
he probably shouldn't be a deal breaker to get Giannis right. still in his prime. And draft picks. Um, and you get picks. Well, that's what I was just going to say. So you get those two, who, who's, Giddy's already two years in the league, and you can extend him in a year, and he's only 20 right now. Mm-hmm. Holmgren, I think, is 21. He probably is older, yeah. I think. But but looks like he's – so now you've got a solid core already, and you get new guys coming, and you, but they're all age-appropriate. Mm-hmm. The guys you're drafting are going to be 19 or 20. Yep. So you can still do what you want to do as a Milwaukee, but you still got Drew – uh, who is going to bring value back? Mm-hmm. Lopez will bring value back. I don't think Middleton does. I could no. be wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, unless unless you play him, he's your he's your veteran scoring twenty five right. a night. If he's healthy, right. you might get lucky and a team realize, wow, this guy can really help us, and we're desperate. Right. We just had our top scorer go down. Whatever. And they give Jason up some, Tatum gets hurt. Right. Yeah. You mm-hmm. you might get something for him. Uh, uh, and Portis gets you something too. So you could probably add five, four, five, six. Future first, mm-hmm. some other potentially young players. What if Amen Thompson does so well mm-hmm. playing off of Fred Van Vliet? Maybe and Jalen Green's playing well off the bench, but is not happy. Mm-hmm. All right, well maybe you can do with Houston yeah. instead of yeah. instead of mm-hmm. OKC. Mm-hmm. Maybe Franz Wagner. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe Orlando mm-hmm. feels like, and I, mean, I think I wrote this. Maybe Orlando feels like, wow, we can put Giannis with Paolo, and Giannis, you may not think would like Orlando. But he does have a burgeoning relationship with Disney. He does. <laughs> right? And Paolo's a hell of a guy to play with. He can really pass. They'd be amazing together. So I just the idea for me wasn't to come up with the, the greatest, smartest trade. Because Milwaukee doesn't have to make that decision today. Right. It, it's, a, it's, it's a sit-down process, you know, with Giannis and his team. Like, hey, we're going to keep it quiet. But uh, it's probably best. First of all, and I wrote this, uh, Gerard, uh, you told us, Giannis, that we have to be Correct. you know, minding yeah. our P's and Q's. You said right? that. So Tanya Gingoli, the New York Times. We read it. Yep. Yeah. Right. So uh, what what do we have to do to keep you happy? I, I don't want to have this general thought of right. everyone sacrificing like me, which is what he right. said. Give me specific. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Do, do we have to win a championship? Do we have to make the finals? Do we have to find a better score than Middleton as our number two guy? Mm-hmm. Uh, do we have to change the way we play? Our pace have to be different. How we defend ball screens? how we run you offensively, what position you play. I want all the benchmarks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, Giannis, you're telling us that if we check every one of these off, you'll stay. And if that's the case, well, now we can figure out, all right, we believe him. Mm-hmm. We think we can make it happen. We believe him. We don't think we, we like can that. make it happen. Right. Or we don't even believe him necessarily that he'll still want to stay. And that can dictate a lot of what we want to do to him. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think? Um, I love where you're going with this and I love that they don't have to do the rush now, but that's my thing. Let's go and look, I always think that teams should make the process more collaborative with their superstar players, right? Not give them carte blanche, whatever you want goes. No, we collaborate. What do you want? And have honest conversations. See, the problem is, is that, uh, teams, the players and their agents don't trust that teams are going to leak what they're saying and vice versa. That's the problem, right? We get these fundamental trust barriers broken down where I don't believe if I say something to you, you're going to keep it in confidence, right? But if there's a situation where the trust is there, and I would like to believe that in Milwaukee, that is there with Team Giannis and and the Bucks. It's like, look, I love Chris, but he's just not the guy. Can we get somebody else to be our number two scorer here? Can, or, or is it possible for a coach to get Drew to assume that and be that guy? And if Drew cannot be that guy, fine. Can we get a number two in here? I want to compete for championships, right? I want to be able to every year we're winning 50 plus games. We're a top two seat. And if the Bucks think to your point, they can do that and they believe them. Cool. But if they're like, you know, Giannis, I don't know what kind of return we're going to get for Chris. I, Drew, I'm not sure. Like, okay, if that's the case, I'm going to be here, be a good soldier, do my thing. Let's open up some possibilities of where I might go and what might work for you. As you said, do what's best for both sides. Um, you could see. Oklahoma City being good. I always thought what Giannis would look great next to, I mean, of course, because he can't shoot, but him next to shooters. Oh my God. And like a five out offense, like, good Lord. That's just, that's magic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I did think it's important that, that uh, they present to him. Here's, here's the partners we think can help us most. Um, I'd like to see your list. Giannis, mm-hmm. who, who would you like to play for? Let's see if there's some, some overlap, uh, yeah. team, some teams that are on both of our lists and, and then you, uh, you know, please have radio silence. What you, uh, Henry was asking, why is it so important for that? Well, to me, you have to be sensitive to the other players that might be involved in this. Yes. And, and to the decision makers. Mm-hmm. Better to do a deal 
and then deal with the flack, mm-hmm. then find out it may happen, and then deal with everything before you even right. make the deal. Right. I, I, that's not. That's why most deals are dead silent until they're done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you don't want Chet to find out he's a, he's potentially going to be traded, and then it doesn't work mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. It's just it's not good for business. No, no. If he's traded, he's you know he's like you're gone. Yeah. Thank you, Chet. You're gone. Um, and by the way, OKC can wait and see how Chet does the first sixty. Days. Oh yeah. Right, they, it, it, it doesn't mean they have to, um, but I just to, to your point about being attention, whatever. I could see Milwaukee that fifty-eight wins last year. You know, I, I think Vegas had them as the as a as the fourth favorite, whatever third. So fourth, I think it was uh, Nuggets, Celtics, and them. I think they were third. Nuggets, Celtics, then the then the Bucks. I think. I thought maybe it was fourth. But well, whatever, whatever, third or fourth, yeah, somewhere second, in there. Second team in the East, right? right. So, um, but next year is it fifty-six? And 55. And what are your answers? Are you telling me you're definitely going to be able to replace Drew and free agency if he leaves? I'm not so sure. Right. Right. That you will. Um, Milwaukee is Milwaukee. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it's not, it's not uh, paradise. No, so um, no. I, I just, I think it's, well, I didn't know Belichick said that, but that's I, I, what I think is uh, this is, you're, you're coming off the number one seed, a, a couple years movement championship. The, the return can be super high, which means you're saying to your fans, you know, we're going to be interesting because we got potential all-stars now in this trade. Right. And here come all of our picks coming. And and we have a new coach, I, I which I wrote about, mm-hmm. Adrian Griffin. Right, which is a whole other thing. I think you would appreciate. I mean, the, 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 I, I put in my document the way Mark Degno is mm-hmm. is is uh, handled compared to Joe Mazzula. Yeah. You know, he's getting all this criticism because they didn't win a championship last year. And Degno, meanwhile, has never had a good year in, as in terms of winning record. Right. Is so well thought of because there's no pressure. Let, let Adrian, that's a better way to foster. That's a better environment for for Adrian Griffin to become the best coach he can be. Whatever. No that's doubt. Be. Look, and you mentioned in the article, Steve Kerr did it, Tyloo did it, and Nick Nurse did it. Sure, rookie coaches. Uh, Pat Riley did it back in the day. Rookie coaches can win a title right off the bat. That's not likely. Okay, and to your this is not great strategy. Right. to think it's going to happen. And yeah. to your point, that I mean, the Missoula will never say it, but the pressure he was under last year. To get this team back to the finals as a first time, it's a lot, man. You got to go through. It's like players that come out, David. They're puppy dogs. They don't know what they're doing. Same with a head coach. Who you are in work in year one as a head coach is not who you're going to be. Hopefully, if you grow in year ten as a head coach, but how are you going to get time to grow and learn when it's like pressure cooker? We're on a two game losing streak. This guy sucks. Get him out of here. I feel like last year, every other day, they were like, "Get Mazul out of here." He doesn't know what he's doing. And and to to what you just said. Nick Nurse came in. I did not write it. I couldn't have a 6,000 word article. Okay. Nick Nurse came in. They got rid of DeMar Droz and replaced him with Kawhi Leonard. Mm-hmm. That's a win for the Raptors, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Steve Kerr came in mm-hmm. on a team trending mm-hmm. up mm-hmm. already. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he replaced Mark Jackson, mm-hmm. who was playing like it was 1984. <laughs> you know? And who was the third and Ty who Lue. was the third one? And Ty Lue yeah. had LeBron James yeah. and still needed yes. the Draymond Green stop <laughs> and Steph Curry ankle all screwed up, whatever. Uh, yeah, Cleveland won fair and square, but he had LeBron James. Mm-hmm. And I realize Giannis is great. He ain't LeBron. Mm-hmm. And they don't have a Kyrie. Right. And they don't have a Kevin Love. No, they don't. Like, they just don't have that. So, um, and they had a much weaker East, I think, too, than what than what Milwaukee's got to face. So, Milwaukee has had all the success with a guy that everyone knows is a very uh, – Mike Budenholzer is the Andy Reid of the NBA. And I don't know a lot about the NFL. <laughs> but I used to I, – I, I followed it a little bit early in his career. And I just remember laughing at everyone killing Andy Reid for always losing the playoffs, thinking. But he makes the playoffs like, every year. <laughs> every year, he's giving. He's got a chance at the, the big bite at the apple, and then he got Pat Mahomes. The rest of his history. He's always a very good coach. Uh, Budenholzer has won sixty plus games in two different franchises within a decade, like and, and done it and won a championship, made two finals, whatever. Like it, it, Adrian Griffin's got to be compared to that guy, you know. Oh, and wow. I'm not saying. I'm not saying he can't be better one day. He won't be better in your one. Right. Yeah. He won't be better in your one. No. And, you know, it's – it's. oh, but really quick, back on the OKC thing. Um, yeah. Chet and Giddy are both 20 years old. So, oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. they're super young and the upside looks great for them. No, I, I, this idea of when to – look, I don't like referring to players as assets and I won't do that. But the concept of selling high, right, That yeah. that's – and it's not, you know, the value right now, and I'm not saying again they do it today, but within the next year or so, it's going to be at its peak. This is when you start considering that. Conversely, David, you look at a team who might have waited a year too long, potentially, 
what's a team like Philadelphia going to do, right? Because one, they got a disgruntled Harden. And then Embiid, yes, he won the MVP last year, but no one's confident about him being healthy going forward. (laughs) And why would they be confident he'd stay? He took, he didn't, he scrub the Sixers stuff Mm -hmm. off of his, I mean, like this is not the actions of someone that's all fired up by being Philadelphia for a long (laughs) time. So yeah, you're trying to, you're trying to stay ahead, step into the head of the game. Portland's the example I think I used in the the article. Mm -hmm. Uh, They could have traded Dame a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they didn't. And, and now we'll see we'll see what happens, but it's not oh it's not puppy dogs and ice cream. No, look, I, I'm I'm the belief, David, that Dame's going to start the year in Portland at tra- training camp at least. I don't think a deal is getting done before September 20 whatever whatever date, which it's going to be some awkward times in that in that in that training camp uh, huddle, right? Just where are you going? You're spinning in circles. You're not you're not accomplishing what you want. I I, I can make an argument that Dame can help Portland in the sense that. Uh, if, if Sharp is going to be a player that they really rely on going forward, mm-hmm. all right, we're not going to be the worst team in the league mm-hmm. with Damian Lillard mm-hmm. for sure. So, so we're now we're make we're holding you accountable, Shaden, mm-hmm. to help us make winning plays mm-hmm. on both ends, win possessions. Right? There is there's an argument for that. Whereas if you trade Dame, then you're just you're no matter what Shaden does, you're still going to lose games. Right? Um, I still, but but that's not fair to Dame. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're being asked to stay keep us competitive. So Shaden. Can can increase his his uh, his basketball IQ? That's not now. He, now he's a rookie, but what, I mean, what does a Dame Scoot pairing look like? Not Miserable. good. Okay, yeah, I figured you. Miserable. I figured you say that. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying they can't play well together, but uh, you you want Scoot to make all the mistakes. Yes, he's going to make every mistake possible. Let's let's be clear. You want him to not feel the weight of that on his shoulders. Mm-hmm. You think you know? I, when, with, there should be a Vegas bet on uh, when Dame gives his first eye roll. <laughs> Probably the first day he plays. They play. They play training. They do something in training camp. First day. Because <laughs> I mean, every player makes every mistake all the time. Rookies tend to make a lot more of them more frequently. Yeah. At some point, you kind of stop doing most of those mistakes. You know, often anyway. <laughs> and this is not how Dame is. Dame is this this. It's like it's the best way I can say it is like having the Mona Lisa and you know in just some rec center <laughs> instead of the Louvre, right? Like Dame, Dame, what Dame did last year should be celebrated. Yeah, he was he was arguably the best uh, offensive player in the league was, last year. Right. He was sublime. And who knows about it? And only people that went to the rec center. <laughs> let that guy, let that, you know, send that guy. He should be, it's his own fault, but he should be in the Louvre. Uh, for those of you travelers, um, the Louvre is a wonderful place, but Musée d'Orsay is also a fantastic museum, less lines, and you're going to see way more cooler things. Uh, the Mona Lisa is not cool, but you know, there's a lot of cool stuff to see, um, in other museums in Paris, FYI. Um, that's a good one. I like that though. Um, no, it'll, it'll be interesting to see where all of this shakes out. Uh, where does Harden go? Does he get moved in time? Does, does Daryl do the blow up in Philly, which I think they probably should, um, you know, stick with you. If they can somehow get man away from the Clippers, you go man maxi backcourt. I love well, that. I, I put I I think it made the article. Um, I I thought you could trade for uh, Harden uh, for Drew. Oh, you did. Yeah, you did yeah. say that. Yeah. So so the thought process there is you can get a first round pick from Daryl, who who is desperately trying to show Joel Embiid stick with me, mm-hmm. right? He may not be desperately trying to show that, but if he is. You, I, I am telling you that if Drew Holiday was on that team with next to Tyrese Maxey and they kept everybody else, yeah. they're contenders. Oh, yeah, for sure. In my opinion. And Maxey just flourishes yeah. next to Drew. Right. And now you've got that defensive guy you need to have that James wasn't and Tyrese isn't mm-hmm. to combine with the, the magnificent Joel Embiid as a defender. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's worth giving up one of someone else's first. Right. Although you'd probably like a future Philly first mm-hmm. after 2026. Because yep, they'll be terrible. When they're bad again. <laughs> I don't know that you'll get that. Yeah. But you can get at least one first for Drew Holiday. And if you're the Bucks, get James Harden. You tell James, if you want to play for us, we'll take you. Play your ass off and play your way into a, a bigger deal or a trade somewhere else. If you don't want to come, it's okay too. We'll lose more games. That's fine. And we'll be super respectful. We'll, we'll try to trade you every day. Every day. If you want to come play, great. If not... Uh, but at least you're getting the picks. That's the key for Drew. <laughs> if, if Giannis is still on that team, that'll be a fun. That'll be a fun locker room. James and Giannis. You remember the 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 beef that they had for those years with the MVP when James said, "You know, yeah. I wish I was just seven foot. I could just dunk on everybody." 
make right. make life so much easier. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> to be clear, you wouldn't do that unless you already traded uh, Giannis. <laughs> unless Giannis said we want right. Harden. That, but that, yeah, that's a world we we haven't imagined. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, this is this is the 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 reality of of where this league is uh, right now, and it's you know it, again, Philly's going to be interesting. Milwaukee now interesting. Boston's also interesting. Yeah, they, I know they just inked Jalen Brown, so that the, the two Jays are set. But listen, all that means is that you're getting paid by somebody for the X amount of years, for however much money you sign. Which, by the way, should be a note to everybody else. Like James Harden, he knows now when a deal's on the table, sign the deal. Then you can do all your asking for whatever, or move me, do whatever you want. Who cares? Trade me. Fine. I, I mean, it's highly unlikely he gets signed to another long-term max deal again of, of that caliber. Maybe, but had one on the table and he chose not to sign it. It's a shame. Um, NBA University, David, uh, the, the Twitter account, um, posted a cool graphic about three-point shooters over the past decade. Uh, three-point shooters in the last decade by pull-up and and, and pull-up and spot-up proficiency. Excuse me. Yeah. That was a tongue twister. And so like any graph, right? The bottom left is not where you want to be. What do they call the? I think Kirk Goldberg calls it the quadrant of woe. Yeah, that's the quadrant of woe. And the top right is the quadrant where you really want to be. Quadrant of wow. <laughs> yes. I believe he called it quadrant of wow. Yeah. Surprise, surprise. Steph Curry yeah. is in the quadrant of wow. No, right? I mean, like, yes, duh. And it, You can't even see him. Right. He's, he's, like you, you, you have to go to the full screen. <laughs> he's so far above everybody else. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. And then the, the names you would expect towards the bottom, in the quadrant of well, Russell Westbrook, et cetera. You know, it's just is what it is. I like, I like though, the, uh, you know, you may not know this, Gerard, but when Chauncey Billups was struggling and then went to Detroit. Mm-hmm. In, in um, Boston first. Mm-hmm. Right. They would draft him third, I think, overall. Larry Brown, coaching um, Detroit, uh, basically said, let me reform your game. And stop doing this, stop doing this. He was doing a lot of things that weren't very uh, efficient. And, but there was, it was, I mean, Chauncey Billups is a bright, bright guy. And apparently it was a negotiation. And so Chauncey negotiated to keep his pull-up three in the game. <laughs> and so Larry, who I thought, he, I guess he thought he's pretty good at this, let him do it. But it's not something that a lot of guys are very good at. It's hard to do. Very hard. Push up hard or push up casually. We do. We work on both all the time. The casual pull up three and then the, the, the one with pace. Um, and then the catch and shoot. Uh, it's, it's, we want to work on both. And there's not a lot of guys that, you know, if you did that Venn diagram, you wouldn't see a lot of guys that are, are in that quadrant of wow for both. And um, Steph is just, he's the benchmark. He is, he's the goal. Yeah, he's the goal. Like we... We, I don't know if we'll ever see anyone like no. him. We probably will. We probably will. Well, I may not see it. <laughs> you might see it. Well, look, children might someone see like that comes along once a generation, right? That's yeah. that's why what you figure, right? So maybe yeah. the next maybe 10, 15 years. So maybe yeah, that kid years. has been that kid is born. Is born now, yeah. and he's we're watching Steph Curry tape, yeah. and he's nine years know. old, and he's watching. His dad loves the NBA, mm-hmm. and he's just seeing Curry do these things, mm-hmm. and and he doesn't realize there's no one else like him. So he just does it because you first have to give yourself permission to do it. Mm-hmm. That's what's great about all these guys. You know, Dick Fosbury, the Fosbury flop. Uh, the coach, the, the kicker who kicks a 63-yard field goal, which broke the record, mm-hmm. Russell Erksleben, mm-hmm. Erksleben for Fred Akers back in Texas. The coach had to set him out. Yeah, got to give him permission. It isn't just the player believing. you got to get permission to do it. And has got to believe that you can To live it. with if you miss. Right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that combination. So – uh, we're going to see an avalanche of this coming. For, I mean, we're going to see it. Um, but right now, it's. I always just anytime we can appreciate Steph Curry, we should. Well, he. I mean, you, you see his influence at the game um, at all levels, right? Especially the youth level, with kids literally pulling up from <laughs> midcourt at at little gyms all all, all over the, all over the country and all over the world. Um, it's it is something truly remarkable, and I don't think people realize, like, of course, the hand eye that all that, like how strong in your body you have to be to do like that's fucking 40 feet away you know like go to a basket go to an nba arena stand at the three-point line and you'll be like damn that shit's far because it is now step back 10 feet oh it's oh it's far (laughs) uh so so listen here's the steph curry effect in in as i see it in real terms when i was in college uh most afternoons at most most noon times in Gainesville, Florida, where it's 
90 degrees and 100% <laughs> humidity for a good part of the year. And this is normally summertime for me because once the school year starts, you're, you're, you're at least somewhat busy in school. I play one-on-one full court with my buddy Bird who just turned 50 the other day, my college roommate, Mark Bernstein. And um, I play with a lot of people, but I play with Bird pretty much every day. And he's only five foot nine, but super quick, like crazy quick. And um, he couldn't shoot like I could shoot. And I'm taller than him by you know three, four inches. So um, I could defend him pretty well. But it's 100 degrees outside. It's, 100, <laughs> it's hot. And we play in the projects. And thank God our courts had um, a water fountain. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so we would play to 100 with four quarters. You change baskets because one basket was a little bit looser than the other. And so the first one at 25, 50, 75, yeah. you get your water and you come back to the court and play. Okay. And the, at night times, it was a scene, man. <laughs> and we were the only white dudes on the court. The, a lot of the Gator football players would come. Okay. And the games were fantastic. But during the day, everyone was too smart. And, to come out there and, and, for us. and Gator football players played basketball like football players. Oh. Sure. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. We had some great battles with Jarvis Williams, a great, great Gator, whatever. So, um, uh, but it was, I was 20, 21, 22 and in great shape, but it was so hot. No one could do it. So we would start taking, uh, me especially, because I wasn't as quick as him, longer and longer threes. Mm-hmm. I was taking Curry threes. I don't remember how many I made because I just was too tired to go all the way to the rim. And remember, every time you drove to the rim, this is something, by the way, NBA players know very well. Every time you drive to the rim, you got to get back that much more. Correct. So he had speed and quickness to his advantage. He was our quarterback. He was an incredibly quick guy. So if I wanted to go to the basket, which sometimes I had to do, I mean, I, I always beat him pretty badly, but I still want to just not shoot threes. I had to run all the way back, and he was fast. <laughs> and so I started taking all these shots. My point is this. I was taking 33 footers all the time. When I got to play 5-on-5 five five in real games, I never did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never even thought about it. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you did, first of all, there weren't threes. Yeah. You know, these were, we, we, we did two and one, yeah. so these were two pointers yeah, for me, yep. so they were more valuable too. Mm-hmm. And pick up, it was two and ones typically. But I didn't take the 30-footers. I just didn't do it. First of all, if you mm-hmm. lost you were sitting out 30 minutes because there were 25 dudes ready to play. So you had to win. And uh, and that's where Curry changed everything. Is I should have taken more of those. I was open. <laughs> People weren't guarding me because they didn't think you could make it. You, I should have done you, it. You, you see it all over, man, and pick up over here if I'm here in the city. If I'm walking up Riverside, I'm like, look at all these dudes jacking from 40 feet away. I'm like, hey, no, nah, yeah. let's listen. They ain't making them at Curry Clip. <laughs> no, let's be fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's better than everyone for that, but he's given people permission yes. to, to believe. He has. He has. That's, that's no small thing. And and so I sent that that tweet to a lot of NBA players yeah. that that just check the far right up high. Like, <laughs> that's who you're trying to chase. If you're not chasing him, you're, you're in the wrong Yeah, place. no, no. The, the, you you, you want to be better than the best. You, you got to set benchmarks. And it's about, you know, for, for players, as you know, because you train them, uh, it's about the process, right? And loving, of course, you love the game, but you have to love the process of wanting to be good at the game, right? The work it takes, the everyday, whatever coach is drilling you on, like those things. And if you don't love that, I don't know, man, probably not going to happen for you. And I'll say this, I had a player in my gym that is an incredibly talented slasher, driver, finisher, very powerful guard, athletic as hell, and um, not a great shooter because he never had to be. He's one of these guys that Mm -hmm. when I wrote about it last Mm -hmm. week, I could have mentioned him. And so we've worked on his three. We made a quick, after one workout, I met with my, it was actually my son was with me and then my assistant coach. And we talked at lunch uh, at, at what we thought was his problem. And so we addressed it with him. He started shooting better, we thought, right away. He just worked out for a team two days ago. He's there for the week. And an assistant coach for that team is another coach that I mentor. And he texted me and said, hey, uh, your guy shot made 74 of 100 in our three-point mm-hmm. shooting drill today, which is good. Yeah. And that's what he wrote. It's good. It's not, amazing. not amazing. Good. No, well, because the best guys make 98 or 99 out of 100. Well, no, out of 100, they're pro- if they can do – and to me, 80-plus is great – 85 beyond that is elite. And remember, they're not just shooting. Right, they're running around. There, yep. And then so they do this drill at the end, but it's just good. Mm-hmm. It's good. And uh, with, we, uh, better than bad. <laughs> right? Better than bad. I normally divide the number you make and the over practice by two, and that's what you shoot for the year. Uh, I, I would do the same thing here. 74 is, is great. Yeah. Not, I mean, it's good. Not great. Not great. That's, how, that's what we're dealing with here. Curry, that's bad for Curry. Yeah. 
Yeah. 74 is bad for Curry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. These guys, you know, if Kevin Martin's doing 74, Courtney Lee, they're kicking the ball. Yeah. They're, they're just, that's just, that's not. Omri Caspi, when he was at his best, oh, Gary Neal. Oh, man. A lot of good three point shooters. George Niang, they're not. They're not going to be happy with, with 74. You, you, you guys, when you watch the NBA, and it's very easy to sort of get, and this is what I enjoy, being out at the U.S. Open, any sporting event I go to. And Stan Van Gundy said this. You know, when we had, when we had him on the show here, on, on we, when we called to bring it in. You, we, we marvel at the amazing things that they do. Because it's like, oh, my God, it gets you out of your seat and you lose your mind. But for Stan, it's like, it's not that. Is that they're able to repeat the simple thing yeah, every right. time, and yeah. that, they're machines. That, that's that is what makes them so great. It's like you're they're machines. How, how do you do? every time, every single time? Which also is why that correlation between golf and, and three point shooting is so key, right? Yeah, Steph's trying to do the same thing in shooting as he is in golf. Yeah, how do I create a repeatable motion that no matter what scenario and under duress I'm in, it will be the same every single time? That's a golf swing. Right. That's a three point shot. The, the other day. I'm worried about the storm hitting Tallahassee. Not, not, uh, uh, Hurricane right. Adalia looks like it was going to miss us mm-hmm. where my son is. And I knew the team would take good care of him. He'd be in a very safe place and whatever. And I wanted him to get his car into an interior garage. He lives in an apartment. So they just, they, they actually have a carport for one car. He's okay. got two roommates. Okay. So two people are going to be in the driveway and, um, or on the street. And I worried, especially if they were going to get slammed, which it looked like they might. So I texted him at 6.55 in the morning. This was on Wednesday morning. Uh, uh, I think that's right. Yeah, yesterday morning. 6.55 about um, uh, moving your car. And uh, he responded back right away. I'm in the gym with two teammates. He mentioned the two teammates' names. I'll look to do that when I get out of the gym. And so my point to you is 6.55 in the morning on a Wednesday, and they're in the gym. And this is how all these guys are. Right. Kobe was famous for 5 a.m. Yeah. I don't care if it's five, whatever, but get your work on early. You just have more time later on to do more. <laughs> and by the way, at 1030 that night, when his team was safe in the facility, he texted my wife a video of them on the court I'm in the, or a picture. Shots. I mean, playing, they were playing five on five because they were, they were stuck in the gym mm-hmm. because of the weather anyway. But um, that's how you get the repeatable stuff is you just fucking work and work and work and work. Springsteen songs. All these great Taylor Swift. I mean, I, I can only imagine how much how much she's edited. Oh, yeah. That not just the lyrics, but also the music. It, it over and over and over. Um, last thing before we go, I I was um this was last week, so this was a Friday before the tournament started. Um, I was at Media Day with uh, Jessica Pagula, um, top rank American, number three in the world, and her parents are Kim and Terry Pagula, who own the Buffalo Bills and Buffalo Sabers. And she was at Bill's practice last week, and Sean McDermott, the head coach, asked her to speak to the team, kind of impromptu. And she's a tennis player? Yes. Okay. Um, and, you know, she did it. I, I said to her, I asked her in, a, in the interview session, I said, it seemed like it was kind of a surprise, but what is it about all you pro athletes that no matter the sport, you guys just speak the same language? Same language. And her, her face just lit up. She's like, I don't think you guys understand how hard it is to do. Yeah. And I'm like, no, no, no. I, I, I don't understand because I don't do it, but trust me, I know it's fucking hard. And she went yeah. through, I counted the other day. I did the same warm up 27 times in the last 27. And it's just like the repeatable, back to the point about the repeatable, the same thing. And that's just to start practice, not to, that's just to begin before I even step out and we're hitting balls or whatever. The same thing to get myself ready to then go do the thing, which is hitting balls and whatever and the different scenarios. Right. It's incredible. It, it, did it you, really did is. Did you read Jay Z's book? I did not. So he, he has a rhyming dictionary. I, I'm sure all of those writers do. Do you? A rhyming dictionary? I do not. Yeah. <laughs> I know they existed. I had no idea they existed. Like that is, that is, I'm thinking of a word for a certain meaning. I got to look up the rhymes. Like this is the craft of craft. it. And, but you, I guarantee you, he's looked at every page in that book many, many, many times. Yes. That All these brilliant writers, uh, brilliant singers, br- brilliant songwriters, and, and novelists mm-hmm. and athletes. The difference in the athletes is it's painful. People, a lot of people say writing is hard. It is. And I, and I, it isn't for me because I don't write that kind of right. stuff. I just, I kind of write what I think. It's just very different. All this stuff is hard, but the athletes, it's a physical. Mm-hmm. It's not just a mental language too. It's what you put your body through. And I was telling you, and this is the last thing I'll say on it. 
I told you to watch the, the, yeah, the Netflix yeah, special, Swamp Kings. Mm-hmm. They, I, they were they were way more open to their vulnerabilities than the typical documentary. Yeah, yeah. Urban Meyer absolutely owned it. So did Tebow. So did Brandon Spikes. Mm-hmm. I really, for anyone who likes college football, it, it's a real good look at how hard you have to go. And I was talking to a big Miami Hurricane fan who loves the U and the U2 and does want to watch the Gator thing. He's like, why do they get four shows, whatever? I'm like, no, dude, he's, a, he's an NBA agent. Just watch how hard they work in the weight room. The pain of that. Yeah, that these guys just put themselves That's the weight everything. room. Just to get on the field yeah. and get into car crashes a hundred times. And it, that's insane. Right. Like it's it, What they do, it's just, but you have to have that body to play that sport. Yeah. Um, and I talked to a Warriors, a former teammate of uh, Curry, uh, two days ago. And I, this guy's a thin guard. And I said to him, uh, you know how hard Steph works on his body. He's like, yeah, I saw it. He didn't know why, because he's young. He doesn't realize he used to be injury prone. Mm-hmm. Well, the answer was, and ESPN wrote a big article. I think Baxter may wrote a big article. Henry probably commissioned it. The answer was stronger core, stronger lower body, so you don't turn your ankles as much. And so now it's just resulted into this. He looks like a. He looks. He's just really strong. Steph is strong. Yeah, like really strong. Everyone's like, oh, a little. No, yeah. stand up next to that dude. He is. The shoulders are broad. He is yeah. cut. Like he's a strong. Arms, yes. Strong. Yeah. He's a strong yeah, he's, motherfucker. He's, like, he's, uh, like, like Drago and Rocky Four, piece of iron. <laughs> he really These is. They're pieces of iron. He, That's why I always tell him, I'll set the imaginary screen for you. But you're supposed to rub off your skin shoulder to shoulder sometimes. Don't rub them. If you hit me, no, I'm falling apart like Mr. Potato Head. I always say that. My eyebrows are coming out. My elbows are falling off. My nose, like, I'm fucking fragile now. Oh, man. Don't hit me with that piece of iron body you have. I don't have a piece of iron. No, it's it's what these athletes do is amazing. All right, folks, uh, enjoy the weekend. Catch FIBA World Cup. Catch them at US Open Tennis. Um, Monday. Uh, Monday, we will not do a show because it is Labor Day. So we will see you on Thursday. Everybody, take care.